0: Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f- What the f*** gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it,
1: you can't do it. Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. I'm talking with Paul Mickley of Navionics. Paul, you are the head sales guy for the United States. Is that right?
0: Uh, national sales manager for the Americas, actually. I've got the whole darn hemisphere.
1: All right. Well, I've talked to my listeners about the Navionics app that I used uh, last summer on, uh, on my boat. And I've been wanting to talk to somebody from your company for quite a while. So I'm glad you responded to my reaching out. And first of all, tell me the history of Navionics and just give me some background information on yourself and the company.
0: Okay, a lot of questions there. So we'll, we'll start with Navionics first. Uh, Navionics, I believe we're now in our 32nd year in, uh, in business. It was originally started by our current president, Giuseppe carnavali and Giuseppe actually created the very first electronic chart some 32 years ago. Uh, since then, that's obviously expanded into you know, multiple ways as far as uh, charting around the world, as far as you know, mobile devices with our app, updating charts via Wi-Fi, sonar charts live. I mean, all the technical advances, especially in the last you know, seven years, have just exploded. But we were the, uh, the very first ever electronic chart, and uh, it's, it's grown ever since. Um, my background, I've been on the, on the fishing and marine side actually now for about 19 years. Started, uh, started as a sales rep for a distributor by the name of Folsom and worked for a uh, national sales and marketing manager for a company called Spro, which did uh, lures and, and hooks, uh, rolled into another lure company called Yozuri, and worked in advertising for a short while for a fishing and boating magazine, and now been with uh, Navionics for a little over six and a half years, and, and it's been a, a great group of people. Uh, a lot of fun and really being on the cutting edge of technology is, is just very exciting because you just quite never know what's coming tomorrow and we get a little glimpse, you know, get you all excited on, man, what can we do with this next? So it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a great company.
1: Now, if I understand it from looking at your website, you've moved from hardware, which is the actual chart plotters, to basically the software. Is that correct?
0: The hardware long ago was the GeoNav, which our CEO and I don't and I'm not 100% certain on the history of this, so I'm, I'm taking a stab at it a little bit. But he was uh, a part of the inventors or creators of the GeoNav, and we had that kind of as a as a back project after some time, and that was sold off uh, to Johnson Outdoors about I want to say about four years ago because. We're really dedicated to cartography We wanted to make sure that everybody was aware of that. So we sold off that section of the business off to J.O., and uh, we're solely cartography now. That's where our focus is.
1: Okay, so I'm on your website, and I'm looking at the, uh, uh, the menu bar across the top. The chart plotter, when I click that, that's basically the software for various chart plotters. And uh, so there's certain chart plotters that will use your software cards, Correct.
0: That's correct. We work on just about all the major plotters that exist, plus the mobile devices.
1: But not Garmin, though, right?
0: Well, you know, Garmin's an interesting conversation. Uh, I'll make a a long story short. We used to work with Garmin until about 2002. Uh, Then they decided to just, you know, make the NOAA charts and, and put them into their own plotters. We originally went to them, or excuse me, originally, we went to them this past year in June, and decided to work up a sonar charts for Garmin, which is utilizing all the different plotters where people submit their logs and and update charts real time. Obviously, you know we've said thousands of boats are a lot more than what one or two survey boats can do. And they were all on board. And we told them about it. We developed the chart. And then for whatever reason, they decided in December that they were going to release software that would block all third-party software from running on the Garmin units. Not just Navionics, but there were other... Uh, smaller developers that that did charts in Canada and Central and South America and got blocked as well. So Garmin, we do have a sonar chart for Garmin that will run on plotters that are uh, earlier than January of 2015 and that have not done the software updates. So we're still in conversation with Garmin, but we do have a, a chart for Garmin that we've sold quite well already.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, that, that's interesting because that's the gps units that i use on my boat so i was looking for a backup to my gps units on my boat a couple of years ago and i came across your your app and i downloaded the app and put the areas i was in and i was absolutely amazed at the detail of the charts on the app on just on my iphone and uh... you have a convert convert from me i mean i really enjoyed using the app and the auto routing feature and so forth so uh, yeah, I think.
0: Well, it, yeah, the app has, has been a really cool product for us. I mean, it's up to, I think, almost 4 million downloaded now worldwide. But what's nice is, you know, when we do the cartography for the plotters. We're a little at the mercy of what the hardware is capable of doing or what the hardware manufacturer decides that they want to do for that year. The fun part on the app is that we can do stuff on our own that doesn't require any development for me. So the auto routing that you pointed out that's brand new, the dock-to-dock auto routing, that's, you know, something we're able to do for everybody. The water level offset. We've got some pretty cool things planned that, that I can't talk about for 2016 that you'll see that, that again, are, is very revolutionary, but that we can launch first on the app and create that demand and let people play with it.
1: What has been your top-selling product so far?
0: Top selling product. Wow, that's a that's a good question. I guess in uh, the
1: United States, what you what you're seeing in the United States.
0: Yeah, even even at that is is tough. I mean, what we're seeing now, I guess in the last I guess I can answer that in the last year, because up until this year we had a lot of we had a hot maps premium and a gold and a hot maps platinum and a platinum plus and a nav plus and a nav update. And you know, it was just a lot out there. And we held on to a lot of the premium and gold for a lot of the of the legacy plotters. Um, that are out there that can only run up to a two or four gig chart. So, you know, you had the old standbys that that did well, but with the growth of sonar charts, it's, it's really changed to what people are buying. A lot more platinum plus sales. Uh, we're starting to see a lot more nav plus because those products – can run that new sonar oh, chart
1: there. Okay, let's, let's start there. Let's go through the product line so we're, we're, so we're educated on on what the different products are. So you've got, uh, you got Nav- Navionics Plus. Explain that one to us.
0: Okay, so Navionics Plus is, is kind of our one-and-done product that we're moving forward with uh, for some time to come. That is where, and I'm just going to stick with the U.S., that one chart is the Navionics Plus gives you all of the U.S. and all of Canada all freshwater and all saltwater, all on one chart. It gives you all the nautical data. It gives you what we call our community edits, which is local information that is uh, entered via the four million cell phone users to allow you know local data and real-time data to appear. And that allows you to plug that chart into your computer, or if you have a Wi-Fi connection, you do it over Wi-Fi through your plotter, the updates of the sonar chart layer. So for example, if you're you know, in Miami and you want to just update that 200-mile area, you can update that area and you'll have the one-foot contours from the sonar charts for the Nav Plus. So, the Nav Plus is basically our, our everything in one chart.
1: Now, that's not going to be on your app. That's going to be on a chart plotter that you buy from one of the other manufacturers, correct?
0: Um, yes. Now, the Nav Plus, yes and no. So, yes, it is on the, the plug-and-play to go into your plotters. However, it is also the same product that we run on mobile. And we've tried to make it very simple for people to understand what we do. So when you buy our mobile product as a USA and Canada app, for example, it's exactly the same thing as NavPlus. The data that you're looking at on the navigation layer is the same as the navigation layer on the Navionics Plus plug-and-play chart. When you go to the little icon that says Sonar Chart, that data on the mobile app is exactly the same as what you switch over to on the what's on most plotters still is fish and chip but it's the same thing. So mobile really gives you that kind of a a preview of what you have on your plotter.
1: So then you have the Navionics updates. I'm looking just at your menu. Uh, So I guess that's the updates to the charts. Would you need to download those to update the charts or is that done automatically?
0: No, it's a little different. So the Navionics update, we wanted to do a discount. The most popular question we get is how do I update my chart and how often? And how often is really a question of, you know, how if you're going to new areas or what kind of detail you want? Everybody's a little different on that. We usually generally say, you know, if you're on your boat a lot, it's one a month, especially if you're fishing. If you're sailing, it could be one a month. If you're only going out seasonally, maybe it's only one a year, you know, really varies. So the Navionics update is a is a two gig chart that is blank, and we sell it for ninety nine bucks. And it's meant for someone that has a older Navionics chart that wants to update or a competitor's chart that they wanna step into the world of Navionics. So we give them a discount, it's $99. What happens is you're actually taking that to your your computer and you're plugging it in and going to our website. Once you've done that, uh, well, you're plugging it in, it's gonna say, insert your old chart. You'll put your old chart in and your old chart becomes the unlock key. That then allows you to download anywhere you want onto that Navionics update chart that then becomes your chart to take to the plotter but it's the way I like to explain it is it's a customizable chart you can then download a piece of Florida you could download a piece of California you could download a piece of New York you know wherever you're going you can make that chart to be customizable to the areas that you boat fish sail or or cruise
1: and that's really how big an area you're going to be putting in is going to really be determined if I understand it from looking at my phone, really by the memory that you're willing to do- devote to the charts, right?
0: Correct. So let's say for, for a standard example and you downloaded everything, you didn't nitpick it, I can put on that chart basically all of the northern Bahamas, all of Florida, fresh and salt water, all of Georgia, and all of Alabama, if that's the area I wanted to leave. Now that's saying I just filled that in. Now let's say I'm traveling and that's where I live in the wintertime. Well, then in the summer, I'm going back up to Canada. So I could actually go onto that chart, delete all of that out to make room, and then download where I'm going to be in the summer.
1: Now, Platinum Plus, what is that?
0: Now, Platinum Plus is basically Navionics Plus with satellite overlay, 3D, and panoramic photos. But it comes in a smaller region. So the, the Platinum Plus, if we tried to put all on that in one chart, it would far exceed the 32 gig limit that most, plot, most plotters can run. So Platinum Plus gives you the nautical data, the sonar chart data, the community edits, um, a smaller region, but it gives you satellite overlay, and it gives you photos of marinas. So if you're going in an area you're not familiar with, you can see a picture of that marina or if you're looking for you know real-time coastlines, or if you're looking for marshes, or you're watching reefs, or if you're fishing, for example, and you want to go up into the creeks, the satellite overlay is very, very valuable.
1: Now, I guess we ought to just talk a little bit uh, about the type of charts that you you put out. And this gets a little technical, but you years ago, I, I had another charting program, and it was a raster-based program, which was not very good. And yours is what are called vector programs or vector images. Is that correct? That's correct. Why don't we talk about the difference between the two?
0: Uh, I'll try my best. I don't know if I can answer that one as well. That's a lot more on our, on our sourcing detail. But raster charts is a lot more on a basic level. It's really more of the, the way it appears on a plotter. Some people like the roster, which looks a lot more like the paper charts whereas the vector is made a lot more into an electronic format. Um, the data itself, we could make it into either data, but the, the vector charts allow us to just do a little bit more than what raster does. Um, that's the extent of my knowledge between the two. That would, To elaborate more on that, I'd really need sourcing involved, to, to be honest.
1: Okay. Well, I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit on that because I understand it a bit more. Uh, a raster is like an image, uh, like a photograph and no matter how much you zoom in on that image it's only going to show what is on the image itself. Where a vector chart as you zoom in on your vector charts it shows more and more detail as you zoom in further and further and further and you can see that just by zooming in on let's say a harbor. Suddenly you have contour lines uh, let's say every 500 feet suddenly it goes to every 100 feet or 50 feet or 20 feet or or so forth and that's as you zoom in on on a vector chart. Where on a raster chart uh, that 's basically like a photograph it 's just the pixels that you 're zooming in on as opposed to the information behind the pixels so you,
0: you did your homework
1: well <laughs> yeah I, I actually studied it for a master 's degree so that, that was um, that 's geographic information systems, which is what all your cartography is based on anyway so anyway so let 's move on um, sonar charts we haven 't talked about that yet, have we
0: not in detail, I don't think so. Okay. So, sonar charts. So what sonar charts is, is the ability for users to upload their sonar logs. It's a community sourcing effort to where we can improve charts. Um, as we know, NOAA is not really doing any more updates. And we used to have, back in the day, a lot of sourcing boat or a lot of survey boats um, that we would set out locations and, okay, we're going to go map this lake, and we're going to go map that lake, and, you know, we map the Bahamas. And and that's a lot of time. As you can imagine, one boat doing a grid pattern is, is you know, days, weeks, months, years, depending on the area, and nobody's really going to do that in the ocean. So our owner, Giuseppe, came out with with sonar charts, which is where we're able to, with the more modern plotters now, Um, you're able to record your own sonar via either, you know, each one's a little different format. Some you can record onto a blank chart, um, and this is all on our website. Some onto a blank chart, some directly onto the Navionics chart, some are behind the scenes, um, some are through the mobile device called Sonar Charts Live. But the premise is that 10,000 boaters can certainly do more than one. So when boaters go out, if they put the recording logs on, they can then record the data as they go. Now, if you wanted to do a specific area, you could run a back-and-forth grid pattern and you know, map the heck out of it and have a great chart when you're finished. If you didn't want to spend the day to do that, over time, most people are usually boating or fishing or sailing in the same areas, or there's multiple boats going through that. If I ran, you, know, you have to use your imagination a little bit, I ran a lazy ass through a cove and then a week later I did another lazy S. Well, five other boaters went in there and happened to do a different lazy S. Well, by the nature of the amount of boats that are going through that area, you've essentially grid patterned that area. We then are able to take those logs from the people that submit it, match that lat long with the depth, and create brand new charts. And we release every day. So as we get these logs, we process it, we update charts, and we release you know the the newest and latest information that we can that very day.
1: Okay, now let me ask you a question. So, for instance, my depth sounder on the on my boat sits at the uh, the bottom of the keel, which is four feet below or five feet below the surface of the water. And I've never adjusted for that because I figure, well, okay, if I bump into something, if I see it coming up uh, closer and closer and closer, I know it's zero. I'm going to hit something as opposed to where I would still be five feet below the surface. Is there any way to account for the difference in the information that's being sent back from the different boaters uh, that were, you know, where their datum is slightly different, I guess?
0: Yes, and that is something we worked into the program. So right off the bat, when you first upload logs, it will ask if you know what your offset is. So some people like yourself do, others don't. One of the safety features we have built into the programming Is whether it's a keel offset measure or perhaps it's just a a sonar error, we won't ever take, let's say, a hole that we find is 30 feet, okay, and then suddenly change it to 10 feet just because a boat went over and said 10, or vice versa, where now it's, which is even more important, where now it's five feet, somehow or another it came back as 30. We're never gonna do that dramatic drop. We might take a couple feet off, and depending on the depth, there's a certain algorithm they use. So if it's, let's just say it went to 5 to 30, well, we might take that from 5 and maybe go to 10, you know, or maybe to 8. We're not going to drop it as a dramatic, because in a system, it's going to recognize that, wow, well, this is a substantial difference. So two things happen. When that goes off, We that safety measure comes in. It sends a message to our developers that then look at it and go, okay, do we need to resurvey this area? Is there something going on where we need to send somebody out? Because there could be, We'll take a hurricane, for example. A hurricane went through. We know there's a major issue here, like Sandy. We need to form an initiative to do a really big survey data of that. Or is there a, you know, is, there, is this correct? Is this, we're not sure because it's only this one area? Well, over time through the community, so you may go through it and, and it goes from five to eight, and maybe 30 feet is the actual depth. So it goes five to eight. The next person goes by and now goes eight to 15 next person goes by it goes 15 to 20. So it'll systematically by the work of the community adjust to the right level. But that was one of our biggest concerns is we didn't want to have erroneous data or something that was very strange and make a major correction. And it's really not that dramatic. So there's a few things that go into that process when we see something like that.
1: Now, do you uh, do you actually go out and get hydrographic data yourself? Do you actually go out and do surveys yourself? Does Navionics do any of that?
0: On rare occasions, yes, more times than not, we rely on the on the community, and I'll give you a great example of that as I, I mentioned Sandy earlier. So when Sandy had come through the Northeast, we actually had it sponsored, and we actually had news teams involved and radio stations and we work with the local Sandy organizations to actually remap uh, the coast of New Jersey. So we actually had two weekends where we had as many people involved as possible that said, "Hey, turn on your sonar recording. If you want to map, map. If not, just record. And we made that a major initiative, and we've got, you know, I actually had a personal phone call from one of the generals at NOAA to say, hey, have you seen anything, you know, really cool out there that's different? And I was actually helping at the time in in Barnegat Bay, and there were amazing differences with sandbar shifts and new cuts, and I mean, I couldn't tell you how many boats I saw run aground. So we actually created an initiative based on sonar charts to actually correct those areas. That is some of the things that we do like to do um whether it's something like that or just an area that we know that changes a lot.
1: All right, I want to take a break from the episode and talk to you for a minute. There's sort of a cliche in the sailing community about the dream of sailing versus the reality of sailing. Sailing is romantic. The idea of sailing along in tropical breezes on a broad reach, clear sky, blue water. It's very enticing and very romantic. And so that's why the story persists of the farmer who sells the farm and buys a boat he and his wife get on the boat in California, sail to Hawaii and get off the boat, sell the boat, and go back and buy the farm again. The romance of sailing and the reality of sailing are totally different. And before you get too absorbed in the romance of sailing, let me suggest that you Take some time and actually do some long-distance sailing before you sell everything and buy the boat and go sailing. I personally have a few friends that have have sold the house, bought the boat, gone sailing, and and then it wasn't what they expected it to be. So before you buy the dream, drink the Kool-Aid, get some offshore experience. Andy Schell at 59 degrees north does offer some time out on a boat. But there's other ways to get that same experience. And I've talked in the past of just start sailing. Get on a racing crew. Wherever you're at, learn the ropes. Learn that it's not all tropical breeze sailing, trade wind sailing. Learn that sometimes you have to beat into the wind. And sometimes those waves are going to be miserable. And you might have a tendency to become seasick. But along the way, get some sailing experience. And I don't care how you do it, but get some sailing experience. Get some, get some sea miles under you. Find out if you really enjoy it. A long time ago, I had the opportunity to fly a small plane. I owned a business and we had to spot brine shrimp eggs from the sky. So I hired a pilot and a plane and I would go up with them and spot the brine shrimp eggs and radio down the location to our crew that was on the water and they would go round up the brine trip eggs. This is on Great Salt Lake. And my pilot was also an instructor. So I said, well, as long as I'm paying for the plane and you, let's give me some lessons. So I had about 20 hours of lessons of flying. There was a time when I thought I would want to be a pilot. And after about 20 hours of lessons, I thought, well, this is fun, but it's not my passion. But I had the opportunity to discover that before I spent too much money. The money I spent, I was spending anyway. So anyway, before you become a sailor, you have to learn the terminology. And I have a series of lessons in my audiobook, Sailing, Learn to Sail, Basic Keelboat Certification, Lessons for the ASA 101 Exam. This is the first of the ASA exams, and it's similar to the Royal Yacht Association exams for sailing. In fact, I may modify it and... Do the same thing for the Royal Yacht Association for their written exam as well, because the material is very similar. But learn the terminology, learn the basic techniques of sailing, and then go get on a boat, and you'll be much further ahead, at least having listened to that audio lesson. Also, pick up some books, look at diagrams. That helps a lot in visualizing what you're going to be doing on the water. You can find this course at the website medsailor.com it's $29.99. All right, let's get back to this episode. You have a membership sort of a, a a program where people can upload their their data. Is there a high participation rate in that?
0: Well, anybody's able to do it that has one of the plotters that will record sonar charts on it. And we do give a year of free updates. So, anytime you buy Navionics chart, you can update it every day if you want for a year. As far as participation, it's been growing every year. Um, I don't know what this year's was, so I'm going to have to take a look. But I can tell you that last year, which was about, you know, we had it for about six months. So our first full year, we actually had 7.5 million acres of sonar logs come in from people recording logs. My understanding is this year's uh, twice that, from what I remember. Uh, I don't want to, don't quote me on that yet, but I know for a fact the year before was 7.5 million acres, and I'm told that it's at least double that this year.
1: Now, when people upload their data, is that identifiable to that individual?
0: No. One of the things we wanted to make sure we did is keep anonymity to those areas because, you know, sailors and cruisers, for one, like to help update charts. You know, I know I know that group of people like to say, look what I've helped to do, you know, and there's a, it's a much much more of a bonding community, whereas fishermen, you know, they, they generally don't like to tell people sometimes on where they were. You know, oh, I'm not going to give away my secret spot on a lake. But yet they'd like to see the mapping. So what will happen is that area, we don't ever highlight an area to say, hey, Bob was on this lake or this code just got done. That data just normally morphs into our charts. So it just corrects itself. We relaunch it and out it goes. We've often had discussions of putting a, uh, a heat map up where you can see where there's changes, but if we do it, we're going to keep it general because some people just want that anonymity of not knowing, you know, people not knowing exactly where they were. Others are more than free to give out that information. So we kind of just, we keep it as quiet as possible and just update the chart.
1: Now let's talk about the gold product, the Navionics gold now.
0: All right, so Navionics gold was our mainstay for a long time. Um, that was just our nautical chart data that was just all the U.S., or you had just all of Canada, that you could purchase. That product is actually being discontinued this year solely because we can't expand on it anymore. It's it's caught its limit as far as what 2 gigs will allow. In fact, we've actually had to drop Alaska and Hawaii off just to be able to keep the continental U.S. So it's it's run its course. You can't put sonar charts on it. You can't put community edits on it. But that was our mainstay for a long time for salt water. But that now is discontinued come 2016, and the replacement is the Navionics Plus or the Navionics Update.
1: Okay, and I guess following that, you've got Hot Maps, Hot Maps Platinum and Hot Maps Premium, then.
0: Correct, and those are our freshwater charts. The Hot Maps Premium, same thing as the gold, this, that's going away as of the end of this year towards the uh, Navionics Plus and Navionics Update, because again, we ran out of space that we could put on that size chart. Um, and we decided to make it just a better value and put everything on one chart when it comes to lakes. The Hot Maps Platinum is staying just like Platinum Plus because of the satellite overlay and the photos of the marinas, where people can buy a regional chart and get you know everything that Nav Plus has, plus the satellite imagery and the marinas.
1: Do you see chart plotters going to more and more memory, so you can put bigger, and more information in the charts?
0: The chart plotters are definitely able to handle it with their processors, and again, it depends on the, on the retail price point of the plotter. Obviously, the, the more expensive, generally speaking, the more expensive the plotter, the higher the processing speed, so you don't notice it. You're buying a $300 plotter, you know, do you want to take a, a Navionics Plus and update the entire area so you have, you know, 16 gigs of information? Probably not. Will it run? Yes, but it's going to crawl. So it's one of those where you got to be a little selective. So they'll all run up to a 32-gig chart. It just depends on, you know, the speed. You're going to notice a speed difference. So most people are not going to, you know, people go, well, heck, I can get the whole U.S. I'll just update everything with sonar charts. Yeah, but are you really ever going to go out to Iowa or Nebraska if you've got a sailboat and you're cruising, you know, up and down from Maine to Florida? You can get it, but it's going to slow down your plotter. You really just want to get the areas you want.
1: I have a basic problem with buying plotters. I tend to use a computer on my boat and the way I run my my chart plotter is I've and, and I'd like to upgrade this. But basically I have a handheld GPS and it sends a signal to my to my computer and it puts it up on a map. Now, do you have a product like that that works just on on computers?
0: No, we had something called the PC app about 2 years ago. And it's not what we do. we try to do it, and we struggle with the different versions of Mac and p c and software versions of this and that and it was it was more than we- t- we took on more than we what we really do well is the apps and with the plug. did I lose you not our forte
1: oh, I think I lost you yeah. so what you repeat. What we do well is because you you cut out there on the Skype for a second there. Sorry.
0: So what we do what we do well is what we do well is the mobile products and the plug and plays. The laptop type information is just the programming error. It is just not what we do well, and it takes away from from what we really try to focus on. So we just leave that to other people. It's just not what we do. You know, we do have a web app that's online, but it doesn't do what you're looking for. It's more of a viewer and a planner, not something you connect connect to GPS.
1: Right, and you had to have us. Uh, internet access to really use that anyway correct correct okay. correct all right so moving to the mobile products which is what i've been using and i've used your uh, you know i i bought the europe version of your uh, of your app because i've been sailing in the mediterranean and downloaded oh, quite a large area and uh, <laughs> the charts for the areas i downloaded would have cost an absolute fortune but as I recall, it, it cost me like $20 or $40 initially and something like $19 a year every year after that to update the charts. So for the, for the money, I thought it was a, a very valuable program or app to have on my phone. So that works. Uh, it works with Android and iOS devices, the app. You
0: broke up on me a lot, sir, but I believe you were saying the, the charts that we have for the app works on Android and iOS. Uh, yes, that's correct.
1: Okay. Okay. Now, I, mean, I use my Navionics uh, Europe. I came back to the United States, turned it on, went on a hike, it downloaded all the, uh, the map data, even for the United States, and even the satellite data. So I even used it on, on hiking in the United States, which I don't think it was really designed for.
0: No, there's a lot, and that's the nice part about it. Is once you've downloaded that area, it, it, you don't need the Internet anymore to...
1: Oh, we're breaking up here. We're breaking up are breaking up.
0: You're right. Once you've downloaded that map, I, mean, I use it for camping and, and hiking. And you know, if I'm headed off to the woods to campgrounds and so forth, I use it quite a bit for different uses. We even have a hike and bike app that actually uses that similar data that we don't really promote. But it is one of the other apps that we do is a hike and bike and a ski app, actually.
1: I actually just downloaded the hike and bike one before I called you because I thought, well, what does this do that the uh, that the other app doesn't? It doesn't look like it does that much more, quite honestly. So, but so it's sort of a reconfiguration of um, of of your other apps. It looks like.
0: Correct, correct. It's just geared more towards that, but it does very similar to the same.
1: All right, so, a little more on,
0: on tracking and your speed and so forth.
1: Okay. Anything else you need to tell us about your company, about your products, anything that we should be looking for that you can divulge right now? Don't give me any secrets you're not supposed to.
0: Yeah, I, I wish I could. We do have uh, some things. We just won a couple awards uh, for some new, well, for the doc to doc on the auto routing at some of the industry conferences. And, and we've got some things coming on the app that is very, very exciting that relates, you know, specifically to what people do and, and to different areas. Uh, my suggestion is always to – you know the Navionics app is, is done very well, and whether you're a, an expert boater or a beginner boater, it it fits or somewhere in between, it really fits anybody, and it's it's really a good gauge of what Navionics does, and anything that's on there, you know certainly the charting data, you know you can get on your plotter, you can understand as far as how we do updates and what sonar charts is, and if there's something on the app, you know I would certainly encourage people to say, hey, you know Mr. Plotter person, I'd like to see this on the plotter. Because certainly the more pressure they get, you know, the more we can move that software into, those, into that hardware for you to use, not just on your phone, but also onto your boat if you enjoy certain features. But uh, we're, we're very proud of our product. We're very proud of, of uh, leading, the, uh, leading the cartography industry in some of the, the latest creations and, and innovations uh, to charting. And uh, we appreciate everybody that uh, supports and uses Navionics.
1: Paul, one other thing I wanted to cover is we I bought the point-to-point auto-routing on my app, and I tested it out, and I was really amazed at how well it avoided um, hazards to navigation. That was always my concern. I thought, okay, let's see how well this does it. So I'd say beginning point A beginning p- and ending point B and auto-route, and then I went and zoomed in on the, on the route that it took And as it turned out, I didn't really need to make very many changes. I zoomed in because I wanted to come closer to one place or another place. But as a general rule, it it seemed to do a very good job of of auto-routing me to my destination and avoiding hazards. So I want to commend your company for putting together a a great product, and I I really appreciate your time.
0: Oh, my pleasure, and I'm glad you got to play with the rider And they spent a lot of time testing that product to really make sure that it, as we call it, dock-to-dock, not just, you know, once you hit the inlet and on the way out, we really wanted that to work for everybody. So my pleasure, and any time.
1: You broke up there, Paul. Oh, well, we'll just call it an interview. Thanks a lot, Paul. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Yep. Good enough. Bye-bye. Joe, you have something to tell me? No, I don't think so. I just got off the telephone with Bill Rutherford. Princeton can use a guy like Joel. What? Princeton can use a guy like Joel. His exact words. That's unbelievable. You're as good as in. I knew you could do it haven't i been telling you every once in a while you just got to say what the heck and take some chances you are so right you've made me very proud i was just thinking where we might be 10 years from now you know The introduction and exit quotes for this podcast were from the movie Risky Business, released in 1983 and written by Paul Brickman. The dialogue, which was used in order, were played by Curtis Armstrong, who in the movie played the character Miles Dalby, Nicholas Pryor, who in the movie played Joel's father, Mr. Goodson, and Tom Cruise, who was the main character, who played the character of Joel Goodson.